Hello and welcome to another episode of Something Healthy. I am freaking the fuck out right now and I'm going to try my best to get this in just without losing without losing it. I just got off the phone with technical support for the like podcast recording little thing that I use. It's called a Focusrite because um, it wasn't connecting to my computer. And I was like, oh my God, if something's wrong with my computer, like I cannot buy, computer problems are literally any sort of tech problem. I don't know if anyone can relate to this. Brings me so much anxiety for two reasons. It's like one, I just know it's going to be expensive. And two, like the potential of actually losing, you know, your pictures, your data, your projects, like everything is just, traumatic and I feel like my generation even though I kind of grew up with a computer I remember when we first got one when I was like I don't know eight or nine years old or something like that to kind of always having a computer in my life obviously I have never really well I guess it's not my generation it's just a me problem but I like for the life of me I'm just terrible with backing stuff up and I don't do it as much as I should I mean I don't really ever do it other than the whatever lives in iCloud, but I'm just ignorant to it and it's just a fucking problem. And this morning I had the genius idea of having my coffee while being on my computer, which I do literally every morning, but oh God, I can't even say it. I can't even say it. It's just one of those freak accidents. My fucking coffee, my stupid little homemade pumpkin spice latte curse the pumpkin spice latte spilled all over my keyboard and I like obviously had a heart attack as soon as it happened and I flipped my computer upside down and I brought it to the couch and I started like shaking the coffee out of it and I let it hang for like kind of upside down for you know the last five hours and it's a pro and Knock on wood, my old pro was pretty indestructible. There was a lot of spills that happened and it was fine. So it seemed to be working okay after a few hours. And I was like, you know what? I got to get this podcast in. Let's just fucking do it. Boom, boom, boom. Let's go. And I went to go connect my little preamp thing to my computer and it didn't work. So I'm like, great. I finally found a way to make it work. So I'm praying that it continues to do that. But you know, sometimes when, when technology malfunctions, it like gives you a glimmer of hope and then it kind of fucks you again. Like... If anyone knows what I'm talking about, like it'll turn back on, your phone will turn back on, your computer will turn back on and it's like, oh my God, it works. And then it'll like get more damage. (laughs) That's not going to happen to me though. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. So anyway, it's going to be fine. I just can't afford to pay for Apple to fix my computer right now because every time I've had to do that, it's always like in the, it's always at least like about a thousand bucks for them to do something, especially when it's, you know, some kind of hardware issue. Like I can't, I'm not, I've been honestly, that's something that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today anyways. So I guess it's a good enough segue, but I know the last episode I was talking about how I can see the finish line of this pregnancy and I can, you know, finally things are getting better and I feel more optimistic. Um, interesting take on my part because I, I kind of fluctuate between that and feeling like everything is Uh, doomed permanently but I think maybe that's a normal part of growth where you kind of have to go to the really low points sometimes you can hopefully bring back some thing that you've learned or some kind of new information when you're back at the high points if that makes sense 
you have to kind of growth is not a linear thing where you just go from feeling shitty to feeling amazing. There's going to be kind of waves that, you know, you go up and down and you have to ride out the waves as best as you can. But lately I've been really fixated on, this is going to sound, this is going to sound, what's going to sound how it's going to sound. You know what? No disclaimers. I've been really fixated on getting nice things in order, like accumulating materialistic things in time for around December, January, when I actually have the baby and when I'm kind of envisioning what my life will look like then. And I thought I was over the whole designer thing. I thought I was kind of done with it. I had, you know, gotten all my Instagram pictures off. I had spent all the stupid money I could possibly spend, not all the money I could spend, but I had, you know, put a good dent in my bank account at like Chanel and Neiman Marcus and whatever. And I thought I was kind of over it, but I felt recently really in the past week or so, those feelings of like that kind of euphoria that I personally get from buying a nice designer item. It's very short lived, but it is very much real. And I've realized how much I fucking miss it. And like just going to the store and just that feeling, I've talked about it before, but it's just this blissful excitement and you just kind of feel light and happy and optimistic about like you and your new purchase and how it's going to make your life a little bit better. I've talked about it before, like the perfect way to buy Chanel bag and whatever. And I was being kind of facetious, but I also kind of wasn't. I really, really love that shit. So anyway, obviously I can't be doing that anymore. Like I'm barely working. I'm like, I, I mean, I kind of am, I'm trying, but definitely not in the way that I was before this podcast. Lord knows it doesn't bring me very much money. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you guys how much money I make off this. It's, it's enough sort of, but it's needs to be more and I'm working on it. And of course it can be discouraging sometimes when, you know, you reach out to sponsors and you reach out to like 20 people and you maybe hear back from one. That's just the game though. And I know that, but it doesn't mean that it's not discouraging sometimes. But anyway, I can't be in the stores buying dumb shit anymore. I need to prioritize my life. I need to prioritize my bills, all of that stuff. And yet I can't help but have this voice in the back of my head. That's like, but what if you had the really nice Hermes blanket or the really nice new purse? And wouldn't that bring the right energy into this new period of your life? Wouldn't that bring the correct rich Birkin mom energy into this period of your life? And on the one hand, I'm like, yes, it would. But on the other hand, I'm like, but I would probably also be extremely stressed out if I did that because then I would have almost no money left. And then I'm like, Sorry, I'm really taking you guys down the rabbit hole of my inner thoughts. But the thing is, whenever I've spent the most money in my life, I've always found a way to make more money after that. I don't know if it's just like spending money attracts more money or I just was ultra motivated because I knew I had just made like a large purchase. I'm not justifying being wasteful or like frivolous with your money, but I think most people will agree that like any time that you consciously spend a large chunk of money, it does find a way to make its way back to you. Usually, you know, you kind of like you're in this headspace of like, okay, well, fuck it. I'm just going to 
spend it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to it. And I'm going to find a way to make it back and not stress about it because I want this thing or I want this apartment or I want this house or I want this car or whatever it might be. So anyway, I keep fixating on this shit that I want. And I'm like, this is the dumbest thing ever. You're so selfish. You literally have a whole child on the way in a few months. Like whatever money you might even be thinking about spending on your new stupid ass purse or Van Cleef and Arpels bracelet, which is like the dumbest thing I could possibly buy. And I have this terrible feeling that the way that I used to feel about Tiffany's bracelets, which was like, I must have it immediately. And I eventually sold my bracelet, which I really regret. But anyway, I, I wonder, and I feel like inevitably Van Cleef, as it's become so trendy, and if you're not familiar with Van Cleef and Arpels, you've definitely seen it before. It's that like four leaf clover design um, jewelry and people have the bracelets. A lot of girls have the necklaces. It's usually like a gold rimmed gold outlined four leaf kind of clover design. And inside there's either a mother of pearl stone or there's like the blue one or a green one or a black one. A lot of like rich girls like Jada Weta and whoever, even some rappers or like LeBron James I've seen, they'll like stack the bracelets. So they have all the different colors and there's all, there's even like a gold one and a diamond one, whatever. So they'll have all of them. And they kind of just have this like multicolored four leaf clover thing on their arms. And it looks really fire if you ask me. But it's also like hyper, hyper, hyper trendy right now. And I feel like with any sort of jewelry or any sort of thing, even if it may be extremely timeless, like the literal queen and, you know, all this royalty and all of these super classy people have historically always worn Van Cleef. When something does become mega trendy, there's only one way for it to go. And that is like in a downward spiral where inevitably it looks kind of kind of campy or kind of stamped with a certain era. And I think Van Cleef is eternal. However, I feel like those particular things, like the the bracelets and the necklaces with the four-leaf clover design, it's called the vintage Alhambra, by the way, that design. Um, I do think, because I've seen this shit before, it's, it's going to, as much as it might be, you know, pretty classy no matter what decade, decade we're in, it will go the way of the Tiffany return to Tiffany bracelets and that whole collection. You remember the ones that were worn in the early 2000s with the Tiffany heart and it said return to Tiffany or whatever. It will go that way because that's what happens to extremely trendy pieces, extremely trendy jewelry. So in my head, I'm like, oh my God, I need this $4,000 bracelet so bad because it's going to help me like welcome in this new era in my life. And I'm going to be this like rich Van Cleef Birkin mom. But on the other hand, I'm like, that's so dumb. Put that money into your kids like first bank account or like first investment fund or Roth IRA or whatever, like do something else other than purchase that something so, you know, retarded in a way. <laughs> but I think one thing I've had to come to terms with is that For the last 10 years, I would say, we have been extremely indoctrinated into flex culture and just having nice things, showing them off, working hard for it, hustling to get them, all that stuff. And that's really the time that I have, you know, been an adult. So it's really hard for me to 
part with the idea that like flexing isn't important as dumb as I, I can hear myself and I know it sounds dumb, but it's still hard for me to part with that concept because I have held onto it for dear life for so long and I've sacrificed so much to attain it in some ways. Like there's definitely been times where I couldn't really afford rent or I couldn't really afford shit, but I went to Dior and I bought a pair of thousand dollar shoes. Like absolutely. I've done that multiple times cause I'm a fucking idiot, but that's just how I don't want to say I've always been, but I kind of have always been like that. And it's really <laughs> hard for me to part with the concept of indulging in luxury, even if it is very difficult for you to, ju to justify, even if it is a very unhealthy practice. But recently I've been confronted with this fact. I don't really think it's an idea anymore. And I'm, I'm not trying to be dramatic when I say this, but I feel like Flex culture, as we have come to know it, and I'm not the first person to say this, I'm sure, but flex culture, as we have come to know it, is ending. It is absolutely over in the sense, in any way that we have understood it previously. And I know I talked briefly about Kylie Jenner's Instagram or TikToks, both really on the last episode, kind of building off of that, I guess. I don't really remember exactly what I said, but it's fine. <laughs> um, building off of that, we talked about how she, how do I say this? She has not been super welcomed on TikTok in the way that she was on Instagram. And one of the reasons for that is that the obscene amount of wealth that someone like Kylie Jenner has is obviously not relatable. And I think that's kind of where I left it last time. But as I've reflected more on this whole thing and also my own desire to like accumulate these nice things recently that I think is just coming from like a deep insecurity that I'm like going to be a shitty mom and that I'm going to be, you know, financially fucked and, you know, all these different things. It's definitely coming from like a deep, you know, unsung insecurity that I have until now more or less refused to acknowledge. And it's cropping up by me, like desperately fiending for like an Hermes blanket. I, I have the self-awareness to realize that now, but I also think in general, people's perspectives have changed. Like post-COVID, things are more expensive. I think we value things like travel and our freedoms a little bit more because we've seen what can happen when they're taken away. We've seen what happens when, I don't know, there's a bunch of free money essentially being printed and pumped into the economy. And when that is taken away and the damage that inflation and higher mortgage rates and gas prices and energy bills and everything has gone up. Like we've kind of felt that I've really, really felt it. And I'm sure other people have too. Like you feel the fucking squeeze where it's like, damn, my bills went from being like $200 a month for electricity and heat and you know, everything to now it's like 400, like at least and I'm like, damn, I'm pretty much paying fucking rent just in bills just to, you know, it's, that's a whole other conversation, but 
you feel this squeeze and I feel this change in public perspectives. And that also coincides with obviously platforms like TikTok, but also like Be Real, which I don't even know what the fuck Be Real is. I mean, I do know what it is. I'm not on it though, because frankly, I it's apparently for like your close friends. And I literally have like two close friends that I talk to every day. So I don't need to, you know, download a whole new social media app just to keep in touch with them. It does feel like a platform for younger kids as all emerging media first does, I guess. But if you're, if you're not familiar with Be Real at all, it's essentially this platform where like you kind of take a picture or put a post up every day and it kind of, it sends you a notification telling you that you have two minutes to make the post or take the picture or video or whatever the fuck it is. And you post it to this grid that you, your friends see and you can add whoever you want to your be real people. I'm probably explaining this terribly, but the idea is that it's supposed to be super uncurated, hyper authentic and very anti-influencer. And a lot of younger kids are like flocking to this because influencers, as we really know them and understand them, they're just bored with it. They're like, why the fuck would I watch someone, you know, (laughs) posting a bunch of pictures with her ass out, like holding a Dior bag. Like it's, it's cool once, twice, and then it's kind of boring. So they're doing this now. And you know, that's nothing new. Trends change. Social media platforms change. There's always going to be a new and emerging platform. And it's also not like we're in the biggest cultural shift ever, but it does kind of feel like you know the MTV Cribs like bling era of the early 2000s that's the era that I was kind of raised in watching MTV Cribs watching like Paris Hilton's Simple Life the Juicy Couture blinged out track suits the I, I think it's now an aesthetic that's called like McBling on Pinterest and stuff and a lot of younger girls think it's like super cool and every time I see it I'm I'm just like kind of triggered I don't know it's cool but I'm like damn bitch you're old like you you lived the real version of this and now there's girls like hunting down juicy couture tracksuits at TJ Maxx because that's where they are that's where they live now versus when I was doing it I was like mom I need this I need you to pay $250 for this juicy couture tracksuit so I can look like (laughs) I don't know what I wanted to look like you know in sixth grade but It feels like how that era kind of faded away and ended after the financial crisis of 2008. Maybe I'm reaching. I was kind of searching this up online, looking for any sort of like correlation. And obviously the housing market now, while it isn't a downturn, it's not like this giant mega crash where, you know, all of these predatory lenders are being called out for essentially selling houses to people that should not have been buying houses, <laughs> I guess. It, it, it's not like, you know, we are exposing this essentially massive scam in the financial and housing market systems currently. It's just like things have slowed down a bit because mortgage rates are up a bit and it is what it is. But doesn't it feel for anyone who lived through that, doesn't it feel a little bit similar where like there was this period of essentially opulence and then it comes to a bit of a screeching halt and you kind of look around and you go, okay, where the fuck do we go next from here? That's kind of how I feel, but it's really hard for me to unplug from the mentality of 
luxury items equal success, even though I can acknowledge that my own desire to flex luxury goods has more or less either kept me broke or kept me extremely far behind because many times when I could have put that money into like a Roth IRA or whatever, I went and spent it on designer. And sometimes that has, you know, given me my money back if I needed to sell a bag or whatever. But other times it's just stupid. And half the time you don't even find a buyer for your shit that you want to sell. And, you know, it's just, it's not the best thing to be buying if you struggle to pay your rent and your basic living expenses. And yet I find when I'm struggling probably the most is when I'm the most drawn to opulent designer goods. And it, you know, comes back to this quote that I've talked about before, which is, I think a Sylvia Plath quote where it's like, it goes like this. Well, I'm misquoting it probably a little bit, but it's essentially like when you want everything, that means that you are dangerously close to wanting nothing. And that might sound a little bit dramatic, but I think there's a lot of truth to that. And there's also a lot of, a lot of truth to the fact that like when you are unstable financially, when you are unstable, you know, with your living situation, when you're just not feeling like you're hundred percent on your feet, there are a lot of really deep rooted insecurities within yourself that you have to face and buying a really nice designer item does kind of mask that gnawing insecure feeling if only temporarily, but a temporary relief is still a relief. And even though you know that you're, you are essentially making the problem worse by buying that item for a moment and for the flex, it kind of feels like it's better and it kind of feels like it goes away for a little bit. And listen, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a fucking idiot. I'm not saying that all luxury culture will go away. No, there will always be rich people. There will always be dumbasses like myself who just love to spend money on nice things and nice places. And that's honestly the only time that I really have fun. That's what I do for fun. I like to go to nice places. I like to wear nice things, period. There will always be a market for that. Absolutely. And to some extent, even with, you know, super authentic and real influencers like Anna Paul, if you guys are familiar with her, where she's always, you know, posting videos of herself in some exotic location, but she's like not wearing makeup and like eating a lot of food and whatever, even with quote unquote hyper authentic influencers like that, people will still always love to see lives that they wish they had. Like we're still going to want to escape into some version of fantasy, whether that fantasy is luxury or not. There will always be space for luxury travel vlogs and just like watching someone's life that is much more exciting and much more luxurious than your own. And there will also probably always be some version of flex culture within America. Like, I don't know, actually, because apparently in Korea, there's also like this really big culture of flexing where to the point that like restaurants and clubs and stuff will actually like hire models and hire, you know, rent fake foreign car, not fake foreign cars, but, like rent foreign cars to put outside of their establishments, like their restaurants and their clubs just to entice more people to come in. And apparently the flexing there is just it's like Miami or fucking Atlanta. 
but there there will always be this, these pockets I think geographically where people just you know that's where the rich people live that's where or the wannabe rich people that love to flex live I should probably say but there will always be pockets like that and especially in America and especially I think like because I don't know hip-hop is fucking American culture hip-hop and flexing it's hard to separate the two like not that this is a podcast about hip-hop in any way but like that's a whole other that's a whole other thing to unpack like I'm not gonna I'm not, I'm not about to unpack like why you know generational poverty and rap and all of that coincide with like wanting to show off money when you have it that's a whole other thing but in places where hip-hop is the dominant culture aka America there will always be pockets of flexing there there it's not gonna go away a hundred percent but even within those pockets even within America even within like hip-hop I feel like as people are getting crazier and more desperate like with the murder of PNB Rock even him being murdered and robbed just for his fucking chains like come on bro and they weren't even like that crazy chains like yeah they were nice like what are we doing like if if you're gonna kill a man over that it's so sad but I think as more people are waking up it's like oh damn it's almost not even really worth it to be wearing this nice shit because it's kind of like I'm just putting a target on my back and that goes for you know rappers or anyone in the culture or outside of it I think more and more people are just looking at it like this is a liability and it's frankly not really worth it anymore unless you're going to be walking around with security everywhere. Honestly, to me, it's more kind of like, and maybe this is just an indication of how fucked up my own head is from spending the last 12 years of my life on Instagram. But for me, it's kind of more like, I'll just wear it for the picture and then I'm going to take that shit off for when I actually am going out in in the world because I don't actually want that attention in the world. Like, even honestly, when I... I'm here in Atlanta when I'm by myself, when I'm running errands, whatever, like I look so bummy when I go out just by myself because it's safer. It literally feels safer to look bummy. Like even my car, it's kind of nice. It's not the nicest Audi in the world, but it's whatever. But like I low key like when it's like kind of dirty and like I just look like a bum because I feel like I'm not attracting as much attention to myself. Not that I have anything for someone to like, you know, something crazy for someone to rob me. It's not like I'm walking around with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of jewelry, but you know, just as a woman, like your own safety, you think about it. I think about it now more than ever. Now that I'm like about to become a mother and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to have a kid. Are we going to be even more of a target? Like God knows just God, please protect us. But anyway, the point is like in real life, a lot of this stuff that I think we've been told to want and taught to want and like it's just been instilled at us like you got to get the chains, you got to get the nice jewelry, you got to get the nice designer shit, you have to get it. A lot of this shit that we have been taught to like fiend for, we're realizing not only is it like kind of empty and dumb and boring after a certain extent, unless you devote your whole life to like just this pursuit of luxury and the education behind it kind of like a Charles Gross character if you guys are familiar with him on TikTok where he's really developed this whole persona allegedly it's like his fifth internet persona good for him 
but he's really developed this whole persona off of like educating people about Hermes and like the kind of the whole business of luxury and the whole economy of luxury. And he had that viral sound that was like my Birkin, my other Birkin. But what sets these two Birkins apart? If you guys have heard that viral sound, but anyway, unless you're going to be one of those people and there will always be people like that for the average person, the pursuit of luxury without any sort of substance behind it because there very rarely is very much substance behind it it gets empty real fast and it just kind of seems like we're moving on dare I think we're moving on I feel like flex I'm like whispering it I don't know why I'm whispering I'm like scared that this thing is gonna go away and that like it'll all have been for nothing but it was it's not for nothing it's just eventually when there's no substance behind something no matter how beautiful it is it does start to get a little bit boring and I don't want to this isn't a fucking Kardashian podcast but I do think that like we are now active as much as like Kim is going to be president probably I feel like with their whole shtick before we're kind of I think we're going to start to see parts of that empire crumble a little bit only because being hyper wealthy and just showing it off for the fact that you are hyper wealthy I feel like there will not be another Kardashian family after them and even people's interest in the actual Kardashians is going to inevitably start to dwindle like how can you really be entertained and you know captivated by somebody as rich as Kylie Jenner who then you know, is showing off her $5 million closet and then turning around and asking you for more money if you buy her lip kits. Like, it's kind of gross at a certain point, I think. And I guess that's why. And I want to play this TikTok. Sorry, you guys. Like, I feel like this is the TikTok podcast lately, but it's just such a better platform than everything else. And I just think there's so much good information on there. I literally feel like TikTok is becoming the new new YouTube and the new TV. And like creators will have like TikTok series licensed on there and stuff like that literally in the next year. But that's a whole other conversation. But that's why I think celebrities like Julia Fox, who I feel like no one thought they were going to like when she was with Kanye a few months ago. Like I thought personally, I was like, oh, she's super annoying. Just seems like really weird. Like one of those kind of rich New York girls that like thinks that she's like with it or whatever, but is actually just chronically out of touch. And just like something about her was just cringy to me. Maybe just because I love Kanye. I don't know. But I think also because she was like walking around in the same outfit for it seemed like four weeks with like the same fucking eye makeup. And I was like, I just didn't get it. I was like, is she trying to prove a point that you don't need to be, you know, super perfect all the time and you can still be attractive or you can still yourself like I I didn't get it I didn't get it but now she is like the more beloved at least on TikTok than like the Kardashians and it's kind of amazing to see because she's not on there like all made up or anything like that she's usually I don't know like in her bathtub or just talking like actually kind of using the app like a regular person would but her points have been fantastic like some of the shit she says on there it's like are you a philosopher like are you a sociologist where is this coming from and it's 
it is honestly kind of refreshing to hear that not just because she's a celebrity like who cares but it's just like her points are like genuinely good and it's shocking that this woman who only a few months ago seemed like very irritating and like she had a problem with like wearing the same black eye makeup for a month um has gone on to becoming this like weird crossover between the ultra rich and the regular people and just kind of speaking for everybody so anyway for example if you're not familiar let me play like one of her one of julia fox's tiktoks let me see if i can find a good one okay i have a good one i have a good one wait pause i'm gonna hold the i'm gonna hold this up to the mic so i hope it picks up well here we go i realized being a parent um and it was like it hit me like a ton of bricks it was that nobody sets out in life and says i'm gonna be a shitty parent it happens because we're parenting in a society that's built for capitalism and we're miserable and it's hard that's so i think okay i'm just gonna stop it there because i think the sound is kind of fucked up when i tried listening back i'm not sure how well the microphone picks up iphone recording whatever and i don't want julia fox to copyright me but essentially she's saying like as an adult now she has more grace for bad parents even her own and the fact that they just kind of like let anyone do this shit or actually like force people to do this shit now in certain states is insane and you know in other videos she also talks about things like people who become abusers and what makes them abusers or normalizing suing your partner for infidelity which is kind of funny but she's like 100 percent serious but in general it just reads as like very unrehearsed thoughts that actually have some substance behind them And I think most people would agree that it's more enjoyable and it's more rewarding to watch because as much as there will always be an audience in a market for aspirational content to some extent, like I said, we all like to escape. At a certain point when you keep watching that type of stuff, you kind of start to just feel bad about yourself. Like it's hard to not compare your own life and that's one of the biggest downfalls of social media, of course, and over the last 15 years, 10 years, whatever, is that like we all kind of just compare ourselves now and we know none of it is real, but we still kind of feel shitty and it's just what it is. But then you kind of arrive at this crux, at this kind of problem once you have accepted the fact that, okay, flexing as we know it, it's kind of done like as we know it. It'll, like I said, it'll always exist in some form here and there 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 will always be you know the mega wealthy that just shop at Hermes for fucking forks and like plates I don't know what the fuck they buy there but like it'll always exist right there's always going to be people that fly first class Emirates lounge drinking Dom Perignon the whole 16 hour flight which by the way is a real thing on Emirates in the first class cabin they literally give you unlimited Dom Perignon there's like a shower there's everything it's just oh my god goals one day I will fly Emirates first class to Dubai but that is a whole other side note I'm sorry the point is you arrive at this crux right now that we have kind of moved on from flex culture where it's like okay what's there left to post what's and I I know that's dumb people are like posting doesn't matter that much (laughs) move on get a fucking life Claudia I'm working on it okay but like seriously please come with me here what is left to post once you eliminate the 
Birkin bags and the Van Cleef and the, you know, the bust down watches and whatever, because that has become so much of our, like the, the stuff that we consume on the internet. And the answer is like, well, like your thoughts, like your actual real life. Both of those things are terrifying to me because I have gotten in trouble many times for posting my thoughts. I mean, obviously that hasn't stopped me, but now I feel like I've found this platform. It was like a very niche audience of people that don't mind my insanity or I'm not even that crazy, honestly, but you know, it can kind of feel like walking on landmines sometimes sharing your thoughts on the internet. And also it can feel very unnecessary as well because there's always going to be that one person who's like, wow, life is so much better when you don't care like what other people do or when you don't have opinions on other people. Like there's always going to be that one troll, you know, in your comments or on Twitter or whatever, just replying like life is better when you just don't have an opinion. Shut the fuck up. Like I get that all the time. And it kind of, it just bothers me because I'm like, am I not allowed to like discuss things? Am I not allowed to have ideas? Am I not allowed to have opinions? Like life would be so boring if we just all sat there, you know, never having an opinion about anything. Like, is that the alternative that these internet trolls want? Maybe, but the alternatives that are left to post are like, all right, your real life, which even besides the fact that, you know, most of our real lives are frankly not that exciting. I think there's interesting things in almost everyone's daily lives. Like, a lot of new content creators even, I feel like they're regular people with regular jobs. Like there's that girl who blew up um, on TikTok, the golf cart girl who just like drives around her the golf her golf course in her golf cart and like makes men cocktails and stuff like that and makes a bunch of money, you know, being this golf cart girl. And there's this other woman in Houston that's this like working mom. I always watch her videos and she just does like nighttime routines with her like two toddlers and daytime routines and whatever and it's very vanilla content but it's like digestible and it's somewhat relatable and it's kind of interesting you see this like sneak peek into someone else's real life so that is kind of cool I guess and I share a lot online too of like my daily routines and stuff like that but I still I guess like I'm still hesitant about it because even at a certain point, like, don't you get worried for your own security and your own safety? Like you can't really be showing everything about your life. Like, oh, I shop at this grocery store. I live in this house. Like this is my closet. Like at a certain point, even that feels dangerous to me, even with a platform like Be Real, which actually encourages you to like really post like where you really are and all this stuff, even though allegedly it's only for your close friends or whoever you approve. I still feel like that can be, I don't know. I'm, I'm hesitant, even though I, I already do it. Like there's just a little bit of a red flag that pops up in the back of my head when I think about like regular people just oversharing everything about their lives. Not that we haven't been doing that for the last 10 years, but you know what I mean? To the level that it's being done now. But I guess that's just the price you pay for the vibe shift. Ew. <laughs> no, I mean, it kind of is. That's the price you pay when you know, we no longer want to see really how rich people are anymore. I do think that this wave, you know, this past era of flex culture, it'll come back just like it was super popular in the early 2000s. And then it faded with 2008. And then it kind of like popped its head back up around, around like 2014, 2015, you know, it took a few years off and it came back. So I feel like it's just going to take a few years off and then, 
it's going to come back maybe, but maybe it's more permanent this time. I don't know. And with that being said, like as much as I'm talking about like, oh, flexing is over, RIP flex era 20, like 10 to 2022, whatever. Why am I still so thirsty for these designer items? Cause like straight up I am like, I still literally, like I, I'm still going to finish recording this and just pray to God that my computer isn't completely fucked and hang it upside down for the night and then go on whatever websites and purse blogs and continue reading about this stuff. Like, am I ill? Am I actually sick? I don't know. But I think like, I'll leave it here. Maybe you guys tell me what you think. Like somewhere, please like comment on my TikToks or DM me or something. I don't know. Just like, tell me what you think. I feel like as much as a lot of us have been LARPing as being like super rich and maybe more successful than we actually are on social media over the last decade or so, guilty, me, very guilty, very guilty. Um, as much as a lot of us have been LARPing in that direction, I feel like we will now see a shift and overcorrection where we're now going to be LARPing as being like super real and super authentic. And I'm not really sure what's better. I want to say that pretending to be rich is worse, but I also feel like pretending to be real is terrible. So I guess just to wrap it up, I know most people are not as like mentally ill as me and can contradict themselves to such a high degree where it's like flex culture is over. I want a Van Cleef necklace, like both thoughts happening at the same time. Um, But I will say this, like, listen, to anyone who's younger that might be listening to this, if you do want to still buy that designer shit, take it from me, okay? Don't buy some super trendy piece from a super trendy brand. Buy from like the good, get the good shit because you can resell it and you will probably either break even or make money off of it. And this is a bad way to end a podcast about how flex culture is over, but I will give you some tips on what to buy if you would like to continue to flex. I'm just kidding, but I'm not really. But like good jewelry usually either increases or holds its value if it's real gold and real silver. So, you know, real David Yurman, Cartier, fucking Van Cleef, whatever, um, even Tiffany, like, I don't know why I thought of David Yurman first, but like real solid designer jewelry that is really 18 karat gold, real diamonds, whatever. Usually it's going to retain its value and it might even increase in value because luxury retailers keep increasing their prices. So a lot of that stuff has actually gone up like since over the last five, 10 years. And then like with bags, I don't want to be like Carrie Bradshaw about this shit, but people always say, you know, I wish I had invested my money instead of just buying designer. And that's true because people waste a lot of money on really dumb shit, like designer sneakers that are going to get dirty and scuffed after you wear them a couple times. Most purses, designer sunglasses, the shit is stupid. Like most of the stuff is, you know, a drain, like throwing money in the ocean. However, there are certain purchases that like legitimately have made me money when like investing my money has lost me money. Like, I invested in, you know, all the big cryptos like Bitcoin and Ethereum and whatever and the stock market. And yes, I've made some questionable decisions, but I've, you know, in my investments or whatever, you can judge me for it all you want. I'm not going to go back to my GameStop saga stories. But yeah, you know, I've made some questionable decisions. However, 
some of my designer items have actually increased in value more and retained more value and made me more money than some traditional quote unquote investments. So it's not like it's all a loss. If you're going to do it, just be smart about it. Do your research, figure out what retains some value and just buy that instead of buying a fucking ugly ass Balenciaga grandpa sneaker that is literally going to look crazy to anyone that, you know, isn't in 2021 like wasn't in 2020 to 2021 like that shit is just not timeless it's it's you're, you're gonna look it's no but anyway I don't know what I'm trying to say I just think like anyone who says that in this might sound crazy it's probably gonna sound crazy but I'm gonna say it anyways anyone who says that investing is always a good like investing in the traditional sense like in the stock market in whatever investing let's just use the blanket umbrella. Anyone who says investing is always a good strategy doesn't know what they're talking about. They're probably broke. Like they've never actually invested in most things in their lives because you don't always win. It's risky unless you literally are just putting money in a savings account. Even then like bank, the banking system could literally collapse. And now like, I don't know if you guys are actually familiar with the banking system as it is now in the U S but when COVID happened, the U S essentially passed a law. We have like a fractional reserve currency banking system or something. Pretty much we had a system where like the banks don't actually have to have all your money in the bank, but they had to have up to, they had to have 10% of your, of your money. So say you have $10,000 in the bank. That means that the bank only has to have a thousand dollars of your money on hand and the rest they can use to like trade and invest and do whatever the fuck they're doing with it. But during COVID, because like the economy got all messed up, um, the, I guess, federal reserve or the government or whoever, there was a law passed that allows banks now to have 0% of your money actually in the bank. So when you check your balance and it shows, oh, you have $3,000, you don't actually have like that $3,000 isn't like sitting somewhere. It's pretty much a ledger for like what the bank owes you. Like, oh, we, we took your 3000 and we're, we're going to pay it back to you when we get it back with what we owe you, which is kind of a really fucked up sham of a system. Like once you really sit with it and digest it. And it's also bizarre that it's like not really discussed or talked about very much. The fact that like banking is like actually lending your money to banks. And if you want to go and take all your money out at one time, you're probably not even going to be able to do that because the bank isn't even going to have that cash on hand because they don't even have that money because it's not really your money, whatever. Anyway, Anyone who says that investing all the time is a hundred percent full strategy is a fucking idiot. And they're literally lying out their ass. So, but yeah, let me just say this also before I go, cause this is actually relevant. And I don't know why I haven't talked about this because I have this fear that like when I start talking about mortgages and home ownership and stuff, people just tune out because that's what I used to do. Cause I just assumed that like I was never going to be a homeowner. So anytime someone would talk about it, it almost felt like insulting to me. I would just immediately tune out, like shut the fuck up. You're like triggering me. Like I don't want to hear this. So I don't want to, like it, it was just boring and mind numbing and it would like make me angry literally because I'd be like you don't understand I'm never gonna be a homeowner so like fuck you um so I don't want to do that but like I do think there is some one thing that is kind of crazy that is going on and that is that the Bank of America speaking of banks and I'm 
I believe it may also be some other banks, but I know the Bank of America is involved in this. You guys probably heard about it. They're offering zero down mortgages um, in certain communities like black and Hispanic communities mostly to allow more people to become homeowners, to encourage more people to become homeowners. That sounds great. That's great. That's fantastic publicity for the Bank of America. Great. But zero down mortgages are literally pretty much what led to the financial crisis in 2008 and not that allowing, you know, certain black and brown communities to participate in zero down mortgages is like the same thing as allowing the entire country to participate it, you know, unsupervised. However, if you or somebody you know is considering this type of mortgage, to me, as soon as I heard it, like it feels so predatory because even though the market's cooling down, like prices are still really, really high. You put zero down, you buy something at almost a record high price, you buy a house at a record high price, zero down mortgage. That means you are in a shit ton of debt and you actually have no real ownership over the place. You have instant negative equity. You're fucking underwater. You're in a huge deficit. And now not only is the interest that you owe going to build up, causing you to owe much, much more money in the long term than you would if you had put down an actual down payment of 10, 20% or more. But like getting out of that debt with the interest is going to be really, really, really fucking hard if you couldn't even afford to put down five or 10% for a down payment, if you put down zero down. So it feels, that feels really dangerous to me and really predatory. And it feels like a fucking scam. That's like things that are too good to be true are usually too good to be true. And this is one of those things I feel like is don't, I wouldn't, I would not do that. That's like signing yourself up for so much debt. And maybe I'm wrong here. I know some people say that there is such a thing as good debt and you can house hack and you can, you know, build equity from your home. And that's, you know, fair enough, fair enough. So please, I would love to have that conversation with somebody. But I just wanted to put my two cents in because I don't want anyone to get scammed like that. It, I don't know, it's scary to me. I don't like being underwater in hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. That's just me personally. Um, because I'm not a millionaire yet and I personally would not know how to pay that back but that's all I hope you guys are staying healthy drink water take your vitamins and like sleep sleep is so important I'm realizing I mean I I'm not realizing but like as I get later into this pregnancy also like it's just so important sleep is literally like the best medicine so sleep fuck hustle culture which is really just fuck flex in culture rest in peace flex culture 2010 to 2022 we'll say 2010 to 2022